Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Felix, how are you tonight? Man, I'm doing pretty good. I'm wondering how you are, though. Have you caught up on all your sleep after Battle Hard in Vancouver? I'm not sure. I felt pretty good yesterday, but today I'm like really tired. Um, mm. I also took Monday off, uh, not with really any intention other than having an extra day on the weekend. Yeah. But it turned out to be like the most brilliant idea I had all weekend because I spent most of Monday sleeping. Yeah, those big events really take a lot out of you. And without further ado, I'd like to just hop right into that. You got the chance to go to Battle Hard in Vancouver. I was stranded on the other side of the country, unfortunately, because, Mm -hmm. you know, my work project is the gift that keeps on giving, but that's okay. Tell me about how how everything started for you. Uh, We flew out on Friday. Yep. There was a Super Armory on the Friday. It was Draft Bright Lights. There was okay. 24 slots available, and I think we ended up having 22 people. Um, one of the We almost had 23, but one of the guys went to the wrong venue, mm. uh, so we ended up with 22. So two pods of eight and a pod of six. I myself was in the pod of six, and weirdly enough, this was my first time drafting Bright Lights. I have not drafted the set since it came out. You need to uh, you need to come to the same armory events as I do. We do drafts. <laughs> I know. I only go to I guess constructed type events. Yeah, uh, yeah. So um, we had who did we? Uh, yeah, a few locals, a few people from a couple Calgary people, and there was also some Americans there. There was a couple guys from Portland. Cool um, at the Super Army. So that was super cool. Uh, I went oh three or one two one two I think. Um, Arthur was playing in the 2-0 match against Max and almost uh, won himself a first edition box of Monarch, but mm. Max took it down. And uh, some of the other pods were like Yuki, who we've had on, and Eric, who we've had on. They each won yep. their respective pod in, in the draft. So it was fun. It was a good time. Uh, it was held at Magic Stronghold's game store in Burnaby. The store is huge. Mm. The, we walked in, it was like filled with people. There's probably eight rows. Eight, yeah, it could probably holds like 50, 60 people. And like they had to make space for us. And okay. they finished up, I think, a Friday Night Magic event. And while we were in the middle of our draft, they ran another one. And our event started at like 730. And so mm. they were starting another Magic draft at like eight or eight thirty or something like that it was crazy i couldn't believe how busy the store was it was like super cool to see and being in the environment uh so that was a lot of fun so that was that was pretty much the friday um saturday was the battle hardened uh vancouver there was 72 participants that's pretty decent that's really good yeah i'm not sure what numbers what we were hoping but like i think somewhere in the 60 to 80 range was like like mine and yours and eric's sort of wish i think i don't know did you have do you remember what you kind of were hoping for for a number no i'd have to go back and re-listen to yeah the the episode with eric but that's pretty good turnout for for vancouver you know it's on one side of the 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 country and not the most populated one and sounded like there were people traveling up from the usa and people from alberta so yeah that's great yeah yeah there wasn't too many people from ontario like just two maybe sure i think and then the rest was like 
obviously local people. And then we had a contingent of nine people from Alberta, I think. And then a few mm-hmm. people that I talked to throughout the day came up from um, uh, the, the States. There was one guy that came from quite far away, I think, uh, Virginia. Yeah. Mm. So he had some friends over in Portland or something like that. So that's cool. It's an excuse to fly see his friend and then come up and play in a battle hardened, which was that's very, very cool. cool. Yeah. How did the event go? How did it start out? Uh, the event was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It it actually had more of, in a weird way, kind of had a more of a casual feel. But that might have been because of like my mindset that I wasn't in there hyper competitively trying to like top eight or win the event or anything like that. Purely because of my hero choice. Um, I picked Riptide. Yes, predictably, <laughs> Riptide. <laughs> so, um, I I had just played him did and done well in the PQ the week prior, and I kind of didn't have anything that I was comfortable with playing, so I just kind of went with it. And so my mindset was, this could be bad or this could be good. I'm just going to have a good time and have some fun. So, um, round one, essentially I get paired into uh, Friendly Fire. Uh, I got paired into Lance from Nova Scotia. Yep. He was on Bolton and I was playing Riptide and the game was going really well. Like he took a turn where he went down to two and I was like, Ooh, that's a really dangerous move, homie playing Riptide. You could die right now. Um, and he ended up presenting 28 damage, which I could not live through nor kill him. Yikes. Yep. Uh, Oh, Oh one after round one. So I was like, well, I guess that's how the date's going to go. I guess. Um, yeah, it's round two. I got paired into Leviah. So I was actually at this point already super excited that my first two rounds were off meta heroes. So I thought yep. that was really cool. And don't get to play into Leviathan that much. And that game was very back and forth um, for a lot of the a lot of the match. He turned into Blasphemet. He had I mean, he was taking like six blood debt and he was at sixteen and he went down to thirteen and then turned into Blasphemet. And I was just able to pressure his hand to a couple of turns in a row where he was um, just eating de- his deck, like five yep. five cards a turn plus drawing four cards. I forgot about the drawing four cards when I saw him like banish five. I'm like, okay, he's got a, he's still got a little bit of ways to go. But then when he drew four more cards, I was like, wow, that's going to chew through his deck really fast. Oh, yeah. And he kind of basically ended up running out of cards. Um, I do kind of want to preface that like Riptide or the version of Riptide that I was playing semi-fatigue but also has the power to like apply pressure and fatigue through attacks and not just defending uh so sometimes at the beginning of games or at the end of the games i could actually apply pressure fatigue pressure by attacking which um felt really good so yeah so i won that someone won after two rounds um the third round i get paired into another bolton so again super happy off meta i'm not fighting wizards i'm not fighting dromai which are pretty much auto losses. Mm-hmm. Um, that one went quite uh, well in my favor. Um, there was nothing really stand out in that match. And then round four was into a fatigue dash. And I knew like he was... Pistol, tree like, frog dash? Not tree frog. Pistol, yes. But he didn't yep. have like life gain and anything ridiculous like that. Very... He was blocking, had unmovables, six yep. fates. Um, and right from turn one or zero, I forget who went first, 
he just went throttle for six, no boost. Yep. And they immediately knew <laughs> what this game was going to be. And <clears throat> it was basically pistol for two every turn. Got and it. And he would block. Um, so very slow, very grindy. I didn't pitch stack the way I wanted to pitch stack, I guess. I'm not very good yep. at pitch stacking. It's hard. It's a very hard skill. It is. Um, but there was definitely two card combos that I wanted to line up together that I just couldn't get to line up together. And when we got down to the end of the game, um, I had a decision to make. Uh, also, because all my games went to fatigue, basically, I had my little posse of Alberta crew hanging out with me watching my games that pretty much always went to time. Yeah. Um, that I had t- two cards in hand at the end of my turn. One of them was a trap and one of them was an endless arrow. And yeah, at the end of the game, Adrian, he's like, why didn't you arsenal the, the trap? And in the moment, I knew I was going to have to block with all of my cards to survive. And my opponent was getting very low on cards, like four cards left in deck. So my thought was that I block with four cards and then I get to shoot the endless arrow for free. That way I get to pressure his hand. So he's only got four cards left. He's got to use two of them to block the endless arrow or he dies. I forgot about Achilles accelerator and he was able to attack me essentially five times in one turn. And so I was unable to block and had I arsenal the thought about an arsenal, the D react, I would have been able to um, basically run him out of cards. So, yeah. Lesson learned. Um, and I think again, somewhere in the somewhere in the game, I probably had room to also block with a card from hand because uh, he was just pistoling me for two. Because I had lots of cards, not lots of cards left in deck, but I had enough cards left in deck that it that tells me that there was probably an opportunity to block somewhere and save life. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I lost that. It was a very close game. Again, went down to time. And then in round five, oh, I guess that was round five. Was that round five? The next round was oh, I played a Lexi next. I think um, my deck's very good into Lexi. Yes. Yes, um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when you get to play two uh, frailty traps in a turn, it just, it just sh- shuts them down. It's so gross. Um, mm-hmm. We were halfway through the game and he was playing his third three of a kind and it clicked when he played it. And I was like, I think this is the third three of a kind go through his graveyard. Yep. He's already got two in his graveyard. I was like, wow, like I'm at like 18 health and you're on your third three of a kind. I'm like, this is going okay. This is going well. Oh, yeah. And yeah, so ended up again kind of winning through attrition. Like God, he got down to basically no cards in deck. I knew he had one rain razors left and I figured it was in his hand. Yeah. And so I blocked accordingly to not die. And then he played the rain razors and I played the defense reaction. And that was basically it. He was out of cards at that point. Very nice. um, Yeah. So it felt really good when I was like, when in the moment I thought to check the graveyard and go through it. I know this sounds like basic level play for some people, but we're five, six hours into the day. All of my matches go 55 minutes because of just this is the way the deck works. So I was very happy with myself when I realized that and played around it uh, because otherwise I could have lost the game for no reason. So it was cool. One of the most satisfying things is identifying your opponent's win condition correctly and successfully mitigating it, causing your your victory, which many of your games, it, it sounded like you successfully did so. And and even in that game against Dash uh, that you described where it didn't so much go in your favor, you were still applying that mentality 
just just forgetting about the Achilles accelerator, which I've done numerous times. Yeah. And I, I always learn the lesson and then forget. So that the way that you're describing this deck is is very interesting to to me. Yeah, it's it's a very fun deck. Um, lots of dynamic lines mm-hmm. and lots of decisions. Um, back to the the mech game, um, I saw the spike pit trap. Spike pit trap? Yeah, I saw the spike pit trap really early. P- before I identified, I think, that he was... Maybe before I identified that he was going to be super fatigued. Anyways, I pitched it, which you, you should anyways. Mm-hmm. And when I saw it, I was like, this could kill him. Like, if I get a T-bone off the top of his deck, which I knew he had a blue one left, I could kill him here. He was at, like, right. six or something like that. And I got a throttle, which still did five damage, which is nice. so good. Like, there's so much so much value there of blocking three and doing five damage. I was yeah. like, okay, I'm like, we one have a chance of winning really here. good. <laughs> <laughs> Super good. Yeah. Um, so then round seven, uh, paired into an Azuri and he was beside me earlier in the day and he yep. was helping teach a new guy about Azuri and how to identify what the Azuri is. And he, I flat out heard him say, he's like, I'm fatigued, Zuri. So my job is to literally run you out of cards. And I was like, cool. So we sat down, we get paired up. I'm like, boom, 72 cards, 74 cards in the deck. Yep. Because I, I knew what his game plan was. Um, and <clears throat> we drew. Long story uh, short, we drew. There was uh, a very critical mistake, it turns out, in the middle of the game where, oh, actually, sorry, I missed round six. We'll go back to round six um, where I tried to be cheeky, like fancy for no reason. And it cost me, cost me two to four points of value. Mm. Um, so Lexis are familiar with loading a uh, pitching to load a bow with a resource card and then not loading an arrow and then playing codex of frailty. So you don't have to discard a card. You then have available pitch to grab an arrow with your codex. Yep. And I used a red card to pitch to my bow and then played the codex. Well, I'm Riptide. I can just play the codex, load the card from my hand, let that load resolve, then use trench before the codex resolves and get a free resource, which I know Didn't that. Know I've been that. doing it all day. Mm, that's and cool. And so because of that play, I had to grab, I grabbed like a virulent touch. Yep. Instead of a death touch. I see. Which the difference in those two cards is huge. So I probably would have, you know, if it hit taken the damage uh, aspect, because I knew we were going to damaging him was going to be a problem. um, Or it would have given me another card that he wouldn't have had access to later in the game. Uh, So we go down to time. I finish. mm, We finish. We ended up on in a draw. If we had one more turn, there was actually a very interesting potential outcome for the game and i want to talk about it just because it just kind of shows how cool this game can be at times so the game's over and it's his turn so if he had one more turn um he would he could attack me with a dagger or whatever whatever he wants and he can flick knives and potentially kill me uh for the win which is totally fine play that's i think normal for a lot of azuris but i arsenaled a crucible of war trap the turn before so the turn would look something like he attacks me with the dagger. And then if I'm thinking about the flick knives, I block with a card from hand. 
he flick knives and in response to his flick knives i get to play the crucible of trap killing him before his flick knives kills me mm. i think in all honesty at the end of the day i probably would have just tried to kill him with the, the crucible of war trap and i would have just died the other way like he would have got the flick knives over top of my crucible trap but i thought it was a really cool interaction um that would have been a really neat way to end the game a very very fun and exciting way to end the game so that was round seven going yep. back to round six i think it was i played a, a warrior i played uh, dory which was uh he, he flipped over Dawnblade, so i was worried that he was going to flip over decimator axe which axe which is a really bad and boring matchup but he flipped over Dawnblade, so i knew he was going to be trying to attack me and do stuff and it was a it was a fun game um but there were this game like stands out to me for for the day because I played very poorly. I made lots of mistakes and missed triggers, and it was causing my opponent some internal debates on how to handle this situation. And at one point in the game, he even said, "You know, you got to remember your triggers. You got to be doing this in proper order." I was like, "Okay, cool, that's fine, no problem. I understand. This is a big tournament. This means something. You're not wrong." Um, he also wasn't at fault for his own gameplay either. Um, so it was it was a mentally difficult match because there were bad plays on both sides of the table and it felt it didn't feel very good. Mm. Um, anyways, again, went to uh, basically went to time again. I decked him. He had two energy potions, heart of Findle, and I think like a glint in his hand at the end of the game, which yeah. I could just present any damage and he dies. And that's what ended up happening. So. I uh, got the win there. So ultimately, I ended the day at a battle hardened with 72 people, four wins, two losses, and a draw on Riptide. So Man, I that's... don't think I can be upset at that. It's a good record. Um, <laughs> it's a, I mean, I, I bet you were the top placing Riptide in that room. That's for sure. <laughs> I could have been anywhere and I would have been the top placing Riptide. <laughs> so uh, all day, everybody, I sit down. Uh, you know, like who, you know, I introduce myself and I say, you know, what are you playing? And their opponent tells me what they're playing. And then they ask me the same question and I say, Riptide. Just everybody around you is like, what, you're playing Riptide? That's so awesome. And it's really fun. Like, that's why the day was fun for me was yep. those side table interactions with other people. Like, I'm very much social a lot of at the start of a game, like talking with the tables beside me, talking with my opponent, finding out where they're from. And just even announcing Riptide as my hero or hearing somebody say they're playing Leviah just naturally made people talk and engage. And that was a yep. lot of fun. And so it, that's why it kind of felt like casual, also kind of felt casual for me. And it was a lot of, it was a really enjoyable way to, to play throughout the day, I guess. Um, and then the second most common line was, I don't think I have a sideboard plan for you. <laughs> no, I know i bet you don't pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's great and i mean just going back to the way you described the event because i mean if i ask let's say a professional player typically hey how was this battle hardened one of the first things they would hear is oh i got this place or this was my record but you know we just started having this conversation and this isn't a pre-scripted conversation between you and i we just nope. hit record here and you just immediately go into this was my first game this is how it was this is the second you're approaching it on a game by game basis and your objective traveling to this event is to bring the deck that you love to ha play some good games to have fun to take it one game at a time i i really respect that and that's yeah. 
that's a really great mentality to to have in into uh into this kind of kind of event and i guess while you were there you i mean you were taking the place of what i would normally be like head down you know going to the 55th minute on every game like did yeah. you have a chance to track the rest of the squad and and mm. get excited or sad or anything a like little that? bit not really i had yeah. to get my information like third hand or second hand yep. because because um, like I said, all my games were going to time, and yep. so everybody would hang around around me. Um, yep. I also had was like at the end of every row almost all of the time, so it was very easy oh, okay. for people to like stand on the corner of the table or beside yeah. it and hang out and chit chat. I knew Travis was doing really well. I knew he was three zero. Um, I think Alex was also doing really well. Yeah. Then kind of everybody else was like win lose win lose lose win yep. kind of deal. Um, so I knew a couple of people were doing really well and Andrew was doing really well as well, I think. Um, okay. so I got a little bit of updates. It was very hard to, um, take it in though, because I'm de sideboarding my deck. They're getting yeah, ready to announce the next round and I'm trying to pack up. So I didn't get a lot of time to like really hang out with people after matches. We yep. had a little bit of conversations like <laughs> during matches. Cause yeah, yeah. I don't usually take a ton of time on my turns. Um, and I don't know. Riptide puts people in weird positions, I guess. Yep. Because <laughs> they don't really know what to do. Uh, so I had I had a bit of time to have like small, com- brief conversations with people during my game, which I don't mind doing. Like I can sure. step out of the match for a minute, which isn't maybe necessarily the best way to handle a competitive event, but that's what I do, and that's part of why it's fun for it's me. Competitive REL, I guess. There's some. Leeway. It is. It is. Yep. <laughs> All right. So. Did you? Did you have a chance to do any socializing with people outside of our community? I mean, Friday night, Saturday night, etc. I mean, that's another highlight of of traveling. Yeah, got to hang out with Eric and Nia and Yuki a little bit on Friday at the nice. Super Armory. Spent a few minutes with them, uh, chit chatting. Like I hadn't seen Nia in since first Canadian Nats. Got uh, it. So it was nice. It was nice to catch up with him, and then on Saturday. Again, not a lot of time for extra socialization. I'm trying to think what we did. Uh, it was mostly just the squad went out for dinner afterwards, and then Sunday was Sunday was the PTI, so that was pretty long as well because it was a called draft. So, okay. Um, sorry, I'm slightly distracted because I have a cat all over me. I know people can't see that, but it's uh, <laughs> all right. We're gonna. <laughs> I'm trying to get him to the cat, yeah, taking up half the screen here on Chase <laughs> webcam. Sit on my mouse or my keyboard and yeah. know, stop something. So uh, I think that was pretty much it for the Battle Hardened. Um, Travis made, I do want to shout out Travis. He made top eight, um, which everybody here is super proud of, uh, mm-hmm. which is awesome for him. Um, and then a semi local guy, also Max made top eight. He's somewhere between a BC and an Alberta player. So kudos yep. to him as well that represented um, Alberta as well. So it was it was super cool to watch them, uh, see them perform well and do good. Um, we were all pretty happy about that. I think Alberta in general did pretty good. I'm, you know, we had, so Andrew finished 12th and I finished 18th. Uh, Alex was somewhere in there between. So I think we did all right, you know, for our, yeah. our small not hyper competitive uh region yeah we can still uh throw down still put up some results yeah no that's that's awesome i do want to acknowledge uh one thing (laughs) 
gem was a blessing on Saturday for me. It, if I get paired into wizards and Dromai on Saturday, I don't think my days is fu- as fun. Right. Um, they're basically unwinnable matchups. I, a lot of things have to go wrong for my opponent more than they have to go right for me for there to even be a chance. So the fact that I got paired into actual games was really enjoyable for me. So I do recognize that I probably got lucky there. So we are going to highlight your deck in a deck tech, a first for our channel (laughs) coming up soon. So please look out for that. Uh, And I'm sure you'll be able to give a thorough description of, yeah, the good matchups, the bad, the strategy, the card choices. I'm I'm really looking forward to, uh, to making that with you actually. It it should be interesting. It should be, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. I guess any closing thoughts on Battle Hard in Vancouver before we move on? I didn't notice any like hyper aggressive judge calls throughout the day. So again, going back to that casual feeling and it again, it's not like that for everybody, but when we were at Worlds, there were some like aggressive judge yelling. Yeah. And anytime there's a judge call here, it was loud, but it it didn't sound like it was out from a place of anger and frustration. It was from clear, like we need some clarification. So kudos to like all of the players that went to this battle hard and kept it like a reason sounding reasonable. I didn't hear anybody fighting. The judges did a great job, very timely. Um, Excellent. And his team of Ross and Henry, they were super pleasant to, to talk to and, and have as our judges. So I want to thank them. They did an awesome job. No, that's that's wonderful to to hear and shout out, yeah, to the TO and and behind the scenes staff, uh, including the judges. Sounds like yeah. the event went off very well. Yeah. So I guess Sunday the PTI is the first uh, draft PTI event. I think Eric was saying. Yeah. Um. So I drafted on Friday, and then I guess we did do a little draft on Saturday after the top eight started just to get a little bit of practice. So now I'm going into my third ever draft, the PTI on Sunday. And, you know, I've been known to be a force pick player, I guess, in draft, which is bad. So I'm told. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't have time to learn all the ins and outs of the draft and read signals and whatever. So I force pick because I feel like that gives me a better chance to play. And usually... Just those cards stand out to me. Like when we were playing Uprising, I just played Icelander all the time because I know what the good Icelander cards are. I don't know, you know, what the good cards are for Fi or for Jomai. So it's hard for me to get past a couple of picks that I feel lost. So sure. I've been trying to be a little bit more open with my picks. And so in the draft, in the first draft on Sunday, I grabbed a couple of Teclo cards and then I saw a red hyper driver go around twice. So I was like, nobody's on max. And so I pivoted to max. Turns out three people were on max. <laughs> three people were on dash. Oops. Two people were on Teclo. And I should have just stayed on Teclo. But it felt like the Evo cards dried up and there were max cards floating around. But I guess mistakes were made. Uh, nothing super exciting. I went 0-3 uh, in the first draft. Yep. It happens. Uh, yeah. So I talked to Andrew. We have some discussions about the draft. And in, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to force Teclo 
I'm just going to try it. I just want to get the cards in my hands and see how they feel. And so we had a mini strategy for the draft. Uh, I forced Teclo, because um, everybody, I think, is in agreement that Teclo can be picked a fair bit. Uh, he's yep. pretty strong across the board. So even if you end up forcing, it's probably not the end. Um, and I 3 owed. So, I mean, is there merit to it? I don't know. But I went 3-3 in the Bright Lights draft for the PTI. This is a top-tier draft strategy here on the IP2 <laughs> podcast. Yeah, As always, that's why people come here for the competitive that's right. That's right. Inf- information. PTI itself, I don't... It was a called draft. Eric was sick that day, so he had uh, that like two flu shots earlier in the week, and they were whooping his ass. Um, so he was there on Saturday, but like on Sunday, when he eventually did show up later in the day, he, you couldn't even hear him talk. Like He oh, was so sucks, quiet, yeah. he had no voice. Um, so... Ross and Henry had to run the PTI by themselves, which, you know, they they did what they did, could. They got some support from the crowd. Uh, there were a couple of rough bumps, but, it you know, at the end of the day, they they trial by fire, and I think they did fine. Uh, it was just Excellent. a little slow, mostly, because it was called. So it was takes a long time to do a call draft. You were right, like when we did my draft, yeah, uh, PQ. You said don't do called, and you were spot on with that advice because it was. <laughs> However difficult you think a call drafted, it's it's like four times harder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and I think they did it like uh, I'm not throwing shade at them. They did a very good job, but it's just, yep. it's a slog. It is. So yeah, that was that was rough. So and Eric ended up showing later in the night, but uh, when it kind of didn't matter. But yeah, so they basically ran it with the two of them. There was uh, a store owner there that was a level two judge that uh, gave them some support as well. That helped out. He kind of stepped in 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 Eric's place. So kudos to uh, Ken for that. And then I guess the only thing about the Sunday PTI is that uh, Andrew top aided the very nice draft Congratulations, PTI. So good for, Andrew. Good for Andrew. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the only other. Thing that's of note, I think, is the same guy that won the battle hardened also won the PTI. That's pretty unusual. But uh, did you hear about the Swiss P- PTI hunter? No, no, I did not. <laughs> I don't know where it came up in chat, but somebody's like, "There's a guy here. He's like from Switzerland. He's like a PTI hunter." And I was like, "What the fuck is a PTI hunter?" Anyways, um, I got to talk to him in the washroom. Uh, very nice fellow. He just doesn't want to work. He doesn't want to go to work, so he is trying to win prizes at fab events and turn them into cash and keep doing it. And he said that, you know, if this buys me two more weeks without having to go to work, then it's worth it. So I was like, that's actually really cool. Um, yeah. Best of luck. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> sounds, sounds like a difficult thing to do, but if, if you have the skills to back it up, that's pretty cool. Well, I guess if you fly to an easy meta and then just take all of their prizes, it works. I guess. Okay. I, I, I don't know why. <laughs> Why are we calling different places easy metas? <laughs> I'm calling Canada an easy meta. Oh, um, one other funny thing is I messaged Eric because I was like, who won the PTI? And he's like the same guy that won the Battle Hardened. And he said the perfect thing to me. Um, he said, he came here and took all of our shit. Yeah. And then I, I responded. And I was like, now you know how it feels. Eric just <laughs> took the first one with the <laughs> tunic play mat and the extended art tunic. Yeah. <laughs> just one but it hurts eh? it does it stinks it could still, have been one like, of us <laughs> still fresh in our memory yeah 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 that's funny wow so all in was, all good weekend hey it was great it was a lot of fun um yeah. uh it had aspects that weren't as fun as like worlds because 
like worlds. We were staying in the same house together yeah, and we were going out for dinner and we were play testing and having fun in that giant dining room with that huge table. This one was still fun. We still got to hang out with people, but um, everybody had their own hotel room. They were kind of splintering off at different times of the night. So uh, still fun, but man, like if we do this again, I really hope we can get back into like the Airbnb house thing. Cause that, that's where it really shines for me on a personal level is going with these people and creating those memories. And it's not yep. just the memories at the event. It's actually mostly the memories outside of the event that are, that matter to me. No, come completely agreed. I mean, I, I wish I could be there, but, uh, I keep on harassing. You have to come to LA. That's, uh, all I can do is say I'll try. Yeah. So Sounds I think I've good. been chatting chatting enough a bit here. Um, we're going to move on to the Calling Melbourne um, and uh, other events potentially. Did you end up watching any of the Calling? Yeah. And I was on the edge of my seat for so many of the matches, um, the Dash games, the Azuri games. I just, throughout that entire weekend when I could watch the games i all i could think is man i love flesh and blood like mm-hmm. what an amazing game we we play and we're fans of um i mean not not to get into any specific details um but yeah just the innovation the cool plays that a lot of the the newer breakout decks were capable of making and how close yep. many of the games were i mean how could you not be a a huge fan of flesh and blood after seeing all that. Yeah. It's, it sounded like a really excellent event to watch. I think the last little bit, maybe some of the other events felt stagnant because it was, people were just seeing the same heroes over and over. And we get tired of seeing um, the same thing all the time. And this, this event, they were really highlighting other matchups and matchups that mattered and that were exciting to watch. Uh, so that was really cool uh, and quite enjoyable, like like you already said. Very good. Want to move on to our random topic for the day? <laughs> sure. I, I chuckle because uh, the random topic is primarily that I went through three years of gem, my gem profile and tracked every person that I played against and whether I won, lost, or drew. Mm -hmm. Now, I just like looking at numbers. Like I was telling you before, I don't really do much with them other than like, oh, I've lost a bunch to that person, or I beat that person a bunch, or ooh, we're really 50-50. I don't really care beyond that surface level. So it was just fun to sort of go through it and look at the numbers. And I've been saving this for a day and I really wanted to to bring this because I thought it was a very interesting um, outcome. We mentioned that we don't get to play with each other very much yeah, because I play on Tuesdays and you play on Wednesdays. Somehow you are my most played opponent. Mm. Interesting. I have 44 games against you. That is a lot of games <laughs> of official flesh and blood, and that's not yes. counting all the random games that we yeah. just play. Yeah, when, I okay. bet you would have never guessed it because no. I know I would have never guessed it. No, not at all. Who who has a winning record? Is it close? Uh, you're whooping my ass. Uh oh. 
no, that's okay. I uh, I got 18 wins and you have 26 wins. So I mean, that's that's closer. Yeah, I, I think okay. a lot of it is because I played Oldham for a lot of that time. You're playing something weird, like well, young. So yeah. part of why I don't care about the stats so much is because of like, I know that I play random stuff, not S tier yeah. stuff, untested stuff. Uh, so I don't take a lot of stock in wins or losses because I yep. could play something that's objectively bad and get good matchups and yep. have a winning record with something that's arguably a pile of trash. Um, just like I could just lose, lose games because, you know, decks are bad. Yep. So that I don't put a lot of stock in any positive or negative win ratios because of yep. it. But uh, it just was interesting because just finding out how many times I played with people I've, it was very interesting. I just would have never guessed some of the yeah. numbers. So, so did you do this manually or did you like use your computer smarts to scrape with some kind of automated script or something? I don't know if you can. I'm not smart enough for that. Uh, okay. So I did it by hand, clicked on my gem profile, went to the last page 29 or whatever it was, clicked on yep. the armory event and wrote down the names of the people and who won and then clicked on the next one and okay. did it and kept Old doing school. it for yeah. 29 pages. <laughs> Um, and the other thing that I did too, is I kind of tracked how many events, like major events that I played in as well, like skirmishes yep. and TQs and RTNs. Cause, uh, I judge half of them locally, uh, prior yep. to you coming here. So I didn't get to play in as many, but I was, we talk about the, the heyday of, or the wild west of the skirmish seasons one and two. Um, and I've played in 27 skirmishes, uh, cause we were just doing a lot of online ones and it was funny. You could tell by going through the history of when I played in multiple ones in a day, uh, because <laughs> a lot of them had two game minimums. Yep. And so I'd just be in a skirmish and there'd only be two games. So you play two games to get your name into the draw for the CNC mat or the razor reflex mat yep. you drop, and then you hop onto the next uh, skirmish. Some people even played both skirmishes at the same time. Yeah. That, that stuff is wild, man. That's, uh, that's so really cool. again, it was just interesting to see that I played in 27 skirmishes because we're playing in like Hong Kong or Britain tournaments or US, yeah. whatever. It didn't matter. Uh, and not as bad as some people like uh, Arthur, who played in a shit ton and yeah. a few other people. So yeah, I just found it really interesting. You you also passed, I mean, just sort of related, you passed, you and I passed 1000 XP together at Uprising pre-release or whatever that event was but was you, it yeah like okay. you and arthur and i on the same weekend all surpassed 1k yeah uh but now you're you're at 2100 i just passed 2000 2000 uh, congratulations pro quest season yeah nice i mean is it is it a good thing is it a bad thing i i don't know okay so i actually have <laughs> something to say about this yes um because it's called experience i actually have a problem with it Mm. Um, if they called it win points or something, I wouldn't have a problem. Uh, my issue is that because it's called experience and when you lose, you get nothing for it. I honestly think a loss should be worth one experience. Mm. You've probably gained something, um, by playing the game. So you've gained some sort of definition of experience, knowledge, you've learned something. And I think it would help incentivize people that are, not necessarily good at the game off of the hop because yep. when you go back and look at your history and you've played 30 games and you have 
three points because you won one official game. Yeah. Like 29 losses. Seeing three points to me is very um, like detrimental. Like it would feel bad. But if you saw that you had 32 points, that feels a lot better. And I, I, my interpretation of the system is that LSS wants to reward the competitive people that are playing the game. Sure. So two things. One, somebody that's not very good at the game still gets rewarded for getting their experience points. They feel good, I think. And two, butts and seats, man. Who cares what their experience is? Like it doesn't it shouldn't matter if 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 they're not good at the game and they can't get in on experience or whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters. After one or two rounds, the cream of the crop will be at the top anyways. So what does yeah. it matter who what skill level of people are attending the open events? Um, so I think that the experience system should be adjusted personally or or coined differently i think it would help the new player base because if we as we've discussed a lot this game is hard and it takes time before you start seeing results i think if somebody like myself who likes to look at numbers and look at stats dwells on those numbers to be like this game isn't for me i'm going to go somewhere else that's a really interesting point, and I haven't really thought of it that way before because, yeah, I, I mean, people, I mean, I, I've gone 0-3 at Armories, uh, I'm, you know, you have, I'm sure we, mm-hmm. we all have, um, but, y- y- you know, to to go to an Armory to lose 0-3 and you end the day with, you know, no experience at the end of the day and your gem profile just shows three losses and nothing on your permanent record quote unquote then yeah that could be very demoralizing and and honestly you know you know butts and seats you know the people that are there to play socially win or lose those are the backbone of of our community right so why not reward them with some experience i i completely get that and as hopefully the competitive community can increasingly rely on elo Um, I mean, I know that's a whole can of worms that it's far (laughs) from perfect. And, you know, my ELO is still probably bottom two limited in Canada. So, you know, (laughs) maybe we can (laughs) give it a little bit. But, uh, you know, I I, I hope that they they can maybe look at doing something like that for for XP, because I think it's a great point. And from an XP perspective, lived XP, I learned a lot more from losing than I do from winning. Totally. Yeah. I, I always talk about like playing somebody in Swiss and then you meet them in like the top cut. Yeah. That I feel like the person that lost in Swiss has the advantage over the person that won. Yeah. Because they get to adapt and change their deck. Whereas the person that won, they can't. They have to play the same way that they played um, and, and enact that game plan. So I feel like they're semi at a disadvantage. Obviously, tier deck, deck tiers being set aside, you know. So I think there, I think there truly is experience in losing. I think just um, from an overall data perspective, this is very interesting that all of our official games of Flesh and Blood are tracked through a central profile. So you mm-hmm. do have the ability to go back and revisit and take a look at all of your old results, which is cool. Um, I've, I've been doing a a project where I'm taking all of my prize cards that I've, you know, won over the years 
and I'm putting them into slabs, but I, I'm not getting them graded. I'm just putting the name of the card on the front and on the back. I'm putting in, this was the event. This was my win-loss record. You know, this was the top cut. I, I won against this person that I lost against this person. Like, because that's what's important to me. And having that, um, having that record to go through is very helpful. Um, mm. It's very, you know, helps you remember, helps you relive yep. that. But at the same time, I, I wonder, like, is it scary to have this much data? Like, is there, are we losing some sense of, of mystery? Or am I, am I over romanticizing this, uh, <laughs> this aspect? I think that comes up to the individual and how yeah. they interpret the data. Um, like I said, I'm not diving too deep into it. Yeah. I think, I think you could go into uh, a wormhole and get really deep into this and dwell on things that are even potentially out of your control. And it could, could be bad for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's helpful data, you know, like, cause there's nothing behind it between, behind uh, you either won or you lost there's there's no there's nothing else to it no matchup uh so you can't even you know tell if you was a good matchup for you and you lost it and you can figure out why or if it was just a bad matchup so i don't think there's a lot to dive into with it since it's just wins and losses so i wouldn't put a lot of stock in it um and it was just again it was just something for me to for, for me to do that's kind of why i did i honestly wouldn't recommend it it was like four hours um, <laughs> i believe it i've played 1024 recorded games in gem so yeah like i don't know and it was actually kind of neat to see some of the names i did also for that too like to see some of the names of the people around the world that i played against um and on my list there's some recognizable names for myself and i was like oh cool uh it's neat that i played against those people yeah no, even just moving this away a little bit from flesh and blood, one of my friends, big board gamer, um, he obsessively tracks the results of all of our board games in this app called mm-hmm. BG Stats, I think. Um, so yeah, where we we'd be playing a game, you know, of terraforming Mars or whatever, and we'd wrap up the game, okay, you know, tally up all the final scores, then instantly app comes out recording all the, all the data hey i scored 154 points i'm in first and you know she got second 128 points oh that's the best score you have ever gotten in in terraforming mars congratulations and felix you're in third your average score is 1 111 but you only scored 88 this this game pretty rough <laughs> game for you hey like why are you so far below average i'm like yeah. at a certain point of like man i'm being reduced to like a point scorer in a game yep. with an average value and an expected value. <laughs> I mean, I do worry about big data coming to yep. places you, you wouldn't expect. Right. And I, like, it's funny cause I have the same thing. We had, I had an app for a while on one of my phones, Yeah, but affectionately in our group known as the ledger uh, for mm-hmm. the longest time I had this big book that we would record the date we played the game, what game, who was playing in their points. And again, context matters, and there's very little context to the score that's your that you're given. If um, I could see it maybe being a fun thing if like you're in a really competitive group and you employ certain strategies all of the time and your scores become consistent, 
Yep. But when you play a game one time and then you don't play it again for a year, does it really matter? Like you're maybe a better board gamer in the future or you understand more the game mechanics. Yep. So maybe your your score is higher. The other thing too is a lot of games don't points don't scale with players or they do scale with players. Like you, you can have Depends more points game, in yeah. yeah, you can have more yeah. points in a three player game than you do when you play it in four players. So then you're not comparing apples to apples anymore. Yeah. Um and then again the other thing too is if you do play a board game multiple times, uh you could have, you know, fifty five points here and you could have hundred and eleven points here. Well, maybe you just tried something that was totally off whim in that game and it ruins your stats, but you were trying something different. So (laughs) again, there's no, you know, there's no deeper meaning to it other than it was just a bad strategy. Right. So I don't think people should read a lot into it. If they do like to look at the numbers unless like you can make it consistent for, for the purpose, I guess, but it is fun. Like it, it, I, I definitely see the appeal and, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, mountain biking, there's different apps that you can use to put on your phone and it'll track the GPS. It'll say, hey, congratulations, you did this trail in the best time you've ever had, right? Right. So there, there's like a healthy way to engage with that. And of course, mm-hmm. there's a really unhealthy way to do that too, where you're just <laughs> foregoing your own safety and like, <laughs> yeah, like all this different yeah. stuff. Like, it's, it's just interesting because Flesh and Blood has had this from from the very beginning. I listen to different card game people from different games and they're saying, yeah, I think I, I played that person in 2011, but I forget how it went or, you know, yeah. that's been lost to time uh, for flesh and blood for the foreseeable future. Unless we start seeing tournaments run outside of gem because even like non LSS tournaments, I believe typically use gem for matchmaking and, and okay. all of that. Yes. Um, yeah, we're just always going to have those records for good or ill. Uh, seems all good right now, uh, but uh, who knows you know, in the future. And when you're looking at it on the page, they don't give you like a win-loss record. They just tell many wins you have. Yeah. So I think that's good because if mm-hmm. you saw that you had 100 wins and you saw you had 500 losses, again, feels bad. But if you just see you have 100 wins, you're like, cool, I have 100 wins, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I think they're doing it right by not giving also too much data as well. Yeah. 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 Totally get that. You know, I, I remember when Overwatch came out and they decided instead of a kill death, it would just be kills. Um, yeah. And everyone really got upset. Or I I, I shouldn't say everyone. Um, sure. Some people got upset that, uh, you know, we're being too careberry and Yeah, it's, it's different. Yeah. It's, uh, but I, I don't mind it. It, 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 helps, well, it, it, it helps saves toxicity, me. right? Yeah. Helps yeah. distract me from my two kills and 10 death record anytime I play a, <laughs> a shooter yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, this was uh, fun to chat about all these different things. Any yeah, uh, Anything else on your mind? Yeah, I'd just like to let our listeners know that uh, we'll be opening up our Patreon uh, soon. And Please know. One, one of the tiers is that um, Felix will slab a card for you. In his grading company, we have never discussed this ever before. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I just I think the slab thing is really cool, though. I really like that idea, and it's really, really awesome way to like remember those those cards and where they came from. 
Yeah, and I I think we even in our first or second episode we're talking about what makes different collections or different keepsakes important to us and for me it's um not the value of of the card. So it mm-hmm. could be the Jubile from RTN or <laughs> could be the cold foil Levia um from I think it was I think it was the first RTN season. Um, any one of those, it doesn't matter what the dollar value is or the PCG grade or the PSA grade. Um, the, the way that I do it, and anyone can do this, uh, you can buy PSA type slabs online. So I, I, I found a place that sells them for, I think, $5 each. And you can just slab your own card and you can just use your printer at home to just put on the front, you know, the name of the card or whatever you want. And on the back, just say, this is the date. This is my result. This is who I played. And it's just a little keepsake for you. So when you look at your card, you can say, hey, I won that at this event. And this is how the Swiss went. This is who I won against. This is who I lost to. Yeah, that just really enhances at least my appreciation for for each one. People would also have to have printers to do it. I thought we'd discovered that people don't have printers. You know, it it, it really shocked me that a lot of <laughs> younger people apparently don't have printers. It's, uh, you know, I, I thought it was a household appliance, just like your refrigerator, your oven, and your printer. No, we... you, you're an old man, Felix. You're an old man. <laughs> apparently. You should Any... pit a... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say anything else. or Oh, I was just going to say you should put a picture of your little slab up in the corner of the thumbnail when you when you do it <laughs> sounds good sounds good no i'm good i got nothing else all right well, it was great uh chatting with you as always shay as always. if you want to catch us on social media which you should use in moderation you should look at us on youtube ip2 podcast twitter ip2 podcast blue sky ip2 podcast take care Sometimes my professional life, I run into situations similar to... You ever watch Parks and Recreation? No, I haven't. I'm sorry. You haven't watched anything. Every time I ask, (laughs) have you watched anything? Like, the answer is no. I I knew I was going to disappoint you.